All right, friends, we're going to go ahead and get rolling. So if you are here for the God, His people, and the poor study, you are in the right place. If you were looking for something else, then you are in the wrong place. So the other study is in 201, if you want to make your way there. Um, so good evening. Uh, Robbie is out of the country. Josh is on vacation, so I'm like your substitute substitute teacher for this evening. So if it's not good, sorry. Um, I'm mostly, I hope, facilitating discussion. So actually, if it's not good, it's mostly y'all's responsibility. Um, as we get started tonight, um, I'm going to pray for us. And then after I do, actually, just let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll I'll give some directions. Um, so let's pray. Uh, dear Father, we thank you that you are good, and your steadfast love endures forever, forever, and your faithfulness from generation to generation. We thank you for your faithfulness to this local expression of your church, to this people. Uh, thank you for the gospel love that you have poured into our hearts through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And as we study these texts tonight, as we gather together, I pray that you would even more conform our hearts, transform our minds, and shape our lives to live out uh, the gospel, especially as we consider these texts, Lord, and your uh, care for the marginalized, uh, for the poor, for the immigrant, for the widow, for the fatherless. Uh, for any who are in need. May our hearts uh, mirror yours. And so I pray that you would speak to us through this time, through your scriptures, through your spirit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, as we get going tonight, I'm going to say some things. This is not sounding very good, is it? Is it a combination of these two things together? It is, I think. No, it's not. Maybe I'll just use this, and I'll get Tyler to come fix this in a second. Um, Here he is, right there. Getting some little bit of feedback hum from this, Mr. Quidon. Um, So as we get started, a couple things going on right away. First off, if you were not here last week and did not get a folder, uh, there are some extra folders up here for you. There's a few of those. Uh, if you don't have one. You also, there's some sheets up here um, that you'll need for next week. So go ahead and grab those um, in just a moment. While you're doing that, uh, I guess you guys know this, those of you who were here last week, but you guys are going to be splitting up into four different teams to work on some kind of semester-long project. Uh, And so the leaders for those teams are going to be in these four areas over here. So I think this is one, two, three, and four. So if you're one of those leaders, you want to go ahead and go uh, to your table. Uh, So there's going to be a team studying local poverty, a team studying urban hopes model, a team studying social impact projects, and a diaconal team. Uh, So what we're going to do for the next couple minutes is you are each going to go sign yourselves up to be a part of one of these teams. Uh, The diaconal team is not necessarily only for the deacons. So if you're a deacon, you don't have to sign up to be on the deacons team. And if you are not a deacon, you can sign up to be on the deacons team. Um, So team number one, right over here, who's our team number one leader? Is that you, Mr. Hogwood? 
So local poverty study team, uh, team number two, Bob Schaffeld, Urban Hopes uh, model. Team number three, we've got Katie Bragg in the back, social impact projects. And team number four, Mr. Samuel Bragg is the diagonal team. So take a couple minutes, go figure out which one of these teams you're going to sign up for. Go ahead and grab uh, the extra sh- uh, packet for tonight. <clears throat> go and sign up. So after you have signed up for the project team that you're going to be on, go ahead and get back together with your uh, Bible reading group. So you guys have all been put in some kind of Bible reading group. So go ahead and congregate together wherever your group is. I guess you get to decide where your group is. One, two, and three. Somewhere in here. Let's just say one... Two, three. One in the back corner. We'll say one in the back right corner, two in the back left corner, three can be up here. So after you've signed up for your team, you're going to get in your uh, Bible study group. So team one is going to be back here near where Katie is. Um, yeah, team one would be the law. Bible study group two would be the prophets, so you're going to be sort of in the uh, back left over here. And then group three, wisdom literature, you guys will be up here sort of front, front left. So once you settle into your Bible study groups, there's some directions for you on the sheets that I ask you to pick up this week. So you're going to have one person, we'll pray for you guys as you get started. You each have your own group's pack uh, passages from the law, prophets, and wisdom literature. You'll discuss that amongst yourselves. Talk about what it says. Talk about what it means. Talk about what it means for us. What's the application of that? And then you're going to each, I'm going to give you about 15 or so minutes to do that, and then you're each going to pick a representative from your group who's going to share with the rest of us what it is that you learned from those passages, and then we'll sort of have a little debrief after that. So again, for the next 15 or 20 minutes, just talk about those passages, those texts within your group. Have a group leader who will be willing to share that information with us afterwards, and then we'll have a little debrief. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and uh, sort of come back together as a large group. I think actually since most of y'all are sort of clustered over here, group number one, y'all want to just come join us on this side of the room? All right, so we're just going to take the rest of the time we have tonight and share with each other uh, from the scripture some of the things that we've been learning. So if each group would designate, and I guess you guys have three groups back there now, three subgroups. So if everybody would just sort of designate a speaker, a leader for your group. Uh, And I'm going to pass, I'm going to ask you to share with us on the microphone um, because this is being recorded and so that way uh, it'll, it'll be recorded and your voice will be, will be saved for posterity. So you guys, is this the law group? Yes. All right. Who's our law group representative? Mr. Madet. So just, just share with us uh, from the text that you guys had, if you want to summarize, what did they say? How, what did you guys talk about? What are some of your takeaways? 
All right, so um, <clears throat> we had uh, Exodus 23, 9 through 12, Leviticus 19, 9 through 10, and Leviticus 23, verse 22, and we all, uh, everybody's supposed to have looked at 15, Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 15. So um, <clears throat> we started off talking about the fact that, that what it struck me, in fact, when I read this, that uh, we are called to an intentional generosity. It's not something that just kind of happens. It's not something that just kind of, when the mood hits us, uh, that we go out, let's, oh, let's be generous with somebody. It's something that, that the Lord has actually called us to do, which requires us to sort of plan out the process. Um, and that process in, in, in this church is a bad word because sometimes it leads to the idea of somebody, so, some sort of program. Uh, programs are not generally successful, particularly in this population. So when we talk about planning it, uh, I think, I think Bob mentioned the fact that we need to understand what the problem is. We need to understand where people are coming from, where they live, what are their issues. <clears throat> um, another thing that, uh, that occurs to us is that many times we, we view the poor um, as just having just the worst life possible. <laughs> you know, we think, oh, you just might, you just must, you just be miserable in your life. And, and the truth of the matter is, if you were to, to talk with anyone uh, who uh, you would consider to be impoverished, which is almost everybody compared to us, uh, you consider impoverished, you would probably get the response of, I don't know why you think that. That's, that's just the way we live. This, this is where I am. This is, this is the circumstances that I'm put in, and I'm doing the best I can. And many times they're joyfully saying, I'm doing the best I can. And so uh, and we, we see this over at our clinic, and we mentioned something about Tom, uh, Tom Edwards and his clinic, uh, and some of our folks who, who, who live around some of our folks that actually work at our clinic, um, you know, we see um, all we see all sorts of folks that are we would consider to be, um, you know, in dire need of our help. Truth of the matter is, we need to have a relationship with them so that we can have the opportunity for them to help us help them. If we can figure that out, uh, I don't. I think we would um, we'd be a long way down the road to some sort of structured process. I think we're called to do here, particularly in, uh, in Leviticus 23:22, where he commands generosity, and so therefore we must plan to be generous. Not Again, not just when the mood hits us, not when we swoop down on Urban Hope over there with our Suburbans and unload something and then say, okay, see y'all later, great, and hope, hopefully y'all enjoy us because we love you because you're poor. Um, that's, that's insulting. In the long run, it's insulting. And I think one of the great things that we're doing here is beginning to have that dialogue amongst ourselves, which ultimately, hopefully, uh, will lead to a dialogue with these various agencies, perhaps, or in this instance, of course, Urban Hope is one that we're, we're close to, uh, or any other, any number of other agencies that are, that are in the Birmingham area. And so, and we'll wrap it up here with the, the idea that uh, in Deuteronomy 15, um, the Lord of the universe calls us to obedience and generosity. The, the Lord who created the poor and the rich, the fallowed fields and those with fuller grain, call us as believers <clears throat> in obedience to him to be generous to others. Um, that's a grand charge. It also is something to be very difficult. It could take us to places we're not comfortable uh, in fact, take a place where we're going to become really uncomfortable, and these are some places where it might not be safe physically. And we need to be prepared for that, and also be knowing that, of course, when we do all that, 
we're going, to, we're going to go knowing that the Lord himself is going to be with us, behind us, and in, in support of us. So we pray with the Holy Spirit to do that. Mark, did you, you guys have the texts with the, the gleaning of the grapes and not? Yes. Can you yes, uh, unpack yes, that a little bit for us? Do what? Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Okay, so um, do what? Oh, you hadn't read it. You're supposed to read your Bible. Um, <laughs> okay, so Exodus 23, 9 through 12. I'll, you know I mean? I'll just read through it then. That's in the Old Testament, right? It's after Second Hezekiah. Yeah. Okay, so ch- verse 9 of chapter 23, you shall not oppress a sojourner. You, you know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourner, sojourners in the land of Egypt. So they, they knew what it meant to be, you know, un, uh, you know un, un, unhoused and, 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 and traveling through some places. So for six years you shall not, I'm sorry, for six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat. And what they leave, the beasts of the field may eat. You shall not do likewise. You should. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. Six days you shall do work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that you, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. <clears throat> so he ends there, and so it's not only, not only are they to not glean everything out of the field. They're also to provide for rest for their animals, the rest for the people that work for them, rest of themselves, and ultimately to rest for the land itself. <clears throat> and those of you who grew up around farms, I did. You know, we know that uh, if you if you if you continually plant and then harvest and then plant and then harvest and plant and then harvest, you 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 suck all the nutrients out of the soil and it become less and less pr- productive. Here, not only is he teaching them how to be good, good farmers, but they also be good stewards because now they're leaving others uh, op- opportunity to come in. Who was it mentioned? Ruth. Uh, you look in the, in the book of Ruth to talk about that. It's practiced in that book, <clears throat> where where the where the land is left, uh, the grain is left in the field for people to to go and and <clears throat> and feed themselves. That's one way to do it. Then Leviticus 19, verse, uh, verses 9 through 12. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to the edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, nor shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So here we have another instance where they're commanded to, you know, be, <laughs> you know, he, he, wants it, he wants them to make it happen. He wants it to, to, to be as productive as possible. But if there's something falls, if, like he says, the, the grape falls off there or the grain is left in the field, don't pick that up. Leave that for other folks who can come along who don't have the ability to, have, to, to do the farming. They don't have the ability. They don't have the, the, the land to do that. <clears throat> and here we see that, again, this is the duty to provide for others. <clears throat> um, none of these, by the way, none of these are suggestions by the Lord. These are things that we're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> Leviticus 23, verse 22. And when you reap a harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. 
Now, one of the things that was pointed out here was that not only are they to leave what was there, it was also teaching them the, because uh, <clears throat> the amount of energy to go and go through the field one time is, is one thing, but it takes a lot more energy to go through the field again and get anything that's produ- anything that makes any sense to go after. So he's teaching them that, but he's also teaching them, leave that for those who can't do it. So all that comes, comes, uh, comes to the point where we recognize that the Lord himself commands us to be generous. Uh, we must understand to whom we are to be generous, and we also need to understand that we have to have empathy for all them because it could happen to you. It could happen to any one of us. Uh, it, we don't know what the world's going to lead to. Uh, and in the instance here, he's pointing out to the, the fact to the Israelites, you've already been there. You've been in the wilderness. You've been in the wilderness without any food. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah, a, a few things from that, just to sort of cap that off, I think we're so helpful um, you know, the Lord tells his people in this instance, you were sojourners in Egypt. You know what it was like to have been oppressed, to have been poor. Uh, and there's a lot of us who cannot, on a base level, relate to that at all. Uh, we don't know what it was like to have been oppressed. We don't know what it was like to be poor. And so it's very easy to sit and pass judgment and to make plans for folks whose lives are nothing like your own. Um, it's a very different thing to have walked a mile in their shoes or just to know to know people um, whose lives have been touched by poverty and oppression. There was one other thing, too, that I want to be sure that we, that we mentioned. Um, it also doesn't call for us to go and glean and, and package everything up and make bread and then give the bread to the, to the poor. It, it, it leaves some area, some room for responsibility on their part to participate. They have to go and glean whatever's been left in the field. <laughs> they have to go and, and do the work of putting that together. And that, that, that uh, is just kind of respecting their, uh, <clears throat> their integrity, uh, you know, their humanness. If you were just to sort of throw food at people after a while, you know, they, it's, it's kind of like this, the manna. I'm sick of manna. You know, it was so great back in Egypt when we had quail and beef wellington. <laughs> And everything beautiful thing, and now we're out here in the desert, and all we have is this stupid manna every day. So what does that mean? The, the, the dignity of the people there had suffered to the point where um, they didn't see themselves as being, as being you know, really worthy. So we have to be really careful about, uh, about how we do this and how we, how we approach these folks and not to, to, lend, to make sure we don't, don't steal the dignity that they already have by saying, well, here, you can't do this. So we're going to do it for you. That didn't work either. That's good. Um, yeah, the other thing there, just to um, put a point on it, uh, you talked about the intentionality that it takes. And I was thinking about all those passages where it talks about um, when you harvest your crops, don't harvest all your crops. Um, and that gets to motivation and intentionality. And if you think about this in terms of economics, so this is an agrarian society, People harvesting wheat, grain, grapes, olives. This is their economic livelihood we're talking about. This is a a profit motive. And what he's saying is don't squeeze every bit of profit out of your crops that you can so that others who do not have can have. Uh, And that is a mindset that I think in Western culture we we do not get. Um, This is a profit motive culture, and I need to get every little bit I can out of every little thing that I can. And he's saying, you don't need to do that. You've got enough. 
and there are others who don't have. And so it's okay for you to have less than you could have so that others can have some. Um, so that's a heart motivation of intentionality that I think is real hard for us to wrestle with. Um, that was great, you guys. All right, so law, prophets. So in canonical order, just so you guys you probably know this, but the law is sort of God's covenant. It tells God's people what they're supposed to do. The prophets are telling God's people how they are doing in light of what God has told them to do. Right, so the prophets are sort of, um, you guys might have talked about this in your Sunday school classes a week or two ago, but the prophets are sort of covenant um, litigators. They're telling God's people, you've made a deal with God, this is the covenant that you made. And so they're sort of prosecuting the covenant to God's people saying, you're living up to the deal that you made with God, or you're not. So that's what the prophets do. So we, we, we broke the rules a little bit, and uh, we just divided up into three tables and hit one group hit the Isaiah passages, and one, and one the, the Jeremiah passage, and, the, and then this group had the Zechariah. So I'm going to have one of y'all do the, Sai's going to do the Isaiah passage. Okay. Um, just a couple of high points out of these two Isaiah passages. Can you hear me? Is it coming through okay? Okay. Okay. Um, we started with Isaiah 58, 1 through 11. Um, and so we, just at a high level, it's like uh, ceremony. Um, God's people, um, his, his people he called by name to himself, um, were going pretty faithfully through the ceremonies, all of them. And um, they're kind of like, well, how come you ain't blessing us? Right? And he tells them. And um, then, so it's sort of like, um, in this passage, ceremony, uh, faithfulness of ceremony versus faithful action, what they were called to do, and be a blessing, you know, to those within the household of faith and others, um, how they were not doing that. So, um, just jotted a few things down, um, and I'm just going to read them. what he said we should, they should be about, and I think we're supposed to be about too, loose the bonds of wickedness, undo the straps of the yoke, let the oppressed go free, break every yoke, share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house, cover the naked, don't hide yourself from your own flesh. So don't hide from these duties, don't hide from people who are in need. Um, so there in Isaiah 58, uh, one of the other things we talked about in our group is submit to the Lord and take action in the power of the Spirit. That was sort of a summary of some of our conversation. So again, the ceremonial obedience uh, and really practical, total faithlessness uh, was kind of what uh, was going on in Isaiah 58. God said, I'm sick of it. sick and tired of you going through these, going through the motions and not living out what I uh, have called you to do and and really commanded you to do, as we heard a moment ago in the law. Uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 1, the first 23 verses, many of you have been in Sunday school, I think, um, as uh, someone said, and we kind of zeroed in on verses 16 and 17. Again, I'm just going to read these things. 
um, cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Very proactive stuff. So stop doing this stuff. Stop oppressing. Stop all this stuff. But no, I mean, um, mm, and we talked about that. We're, we're looking forward to figuring out what this means for us. Uh, seek justice. Correct oppression. Plead the widow's cause. What, what will we discover together of God's calling upon our lives corporately at Cov Press? And then the last thing, uh, verse 23. Um, gosh, I should read it. Um, let's see here. Sorry. Get back to chapter 1. Verse 23. Uh, Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's cause does not come to them. So um, we said that's the opposite of the generosity we're called to. Back, we talked about the sermons in Genesis, and, you know, look, I'm calling you to myself. I'm loving you. Uh, I'm blessing you, and I'm commissioning you to be a blessing inside the household of faith, but to the, all the families of the earth. And this is the exact opposite of what we're called to, what they were doing. So that's what we have. That's great. Um, you guys mentioned this in your group. I overheard it. Um, this is, it involves an intentionality of going after uh, right ways of communal living. Uh, but also, you know, he tells them to correct oppression. So he doesn't just say live righteously, do do that, but also look for the places that are broken, people that are oppressed. You, it might not even be like you're oppressing them, but find the people that are being marginalized and go help them, right? Go and figure out a way to undo broken systems and make them work right. All right, group two, part B. For those of you I don't know, my name is Anna Holmes. Um, and they picked me to do this. Why? Because I'm old and you probably won't refute what I say. But, um, <laughs> and I did my homework because I was here. Okay, so we had um, Jeremiah 22, 13 through 17. Um, and we'll just read that. Woe to him who builds his house without righteousness and his upper rooms without justice, who uses his neighbor's services without pay, and who does not give him his wages. Who says, I build myself a roomy house with spacious rooms and cut, and cut out its windows, paneling with cedar and painting it red? Do you become king because you are competing in Caesar? Do, do not your father eat and drink, and do not... And do justice and righteousness. Then it was well with him. He pled the cause of the afflicted and needy, and then it was well. It is not what it means to me, declares the Lord, but your eyes and your heart are intent upon your dishonest gain and on shedding innocent blood and on practicing oppression and extortion. Um, Now, I will tell you all, 
one of the things I did this week, if you didn't get a chance to do your homework, um, on YouTube, if you put in your Bible verse and say, read it aloud to me, you will find it somewhere. And it's a lot more moving when someone else is reading it to me than I'm reading it to myself, especially some of those actors and actresses are really good. Um, So we said one of the things that this is touching on is that the lack of spiritual peace, and we're touching on spiritual oppression as well as our poverty of spirit is what some of us call it. Um, And we were talking, and I don't know any of these people until today, bless their hearts. And um, I said, you know, you got to be careful because the person you sit next to might be in poverty and you don't know it. You know, just because you look good, you go to this church and you smell good doesn't mean everything's okay. Well, you know, that's kind of my judge. If you look good, you smell good, your clothes are relatively clean, not pressed, it doesn't matter. Um, you, I assume you're all right, you know. And so that, I said, you know, that is one of the things I think right now, I'm also a social worker by education, And I do a lot of helping people. And one of the things we are scrambling for now, you guys, is people financially, they may be okay. Physically, they're okay. Mentally and emotionally, they are not okay. We didn't talk about that, y'all. Didn't get y'all there yet. um, So this this was not easy. I don't know if you didn't get to do it. I encourage you to go back and do it. It was not an easy group of passages to read because we're failing. It bothers me, and you gave me the microphone, it's on now. (laughs) It bothers me. Thank you. This is not an us and them deal, y'all. It's not. Just because they live in Fairfield, have any of y'all been to, I know some of you have. I've been to Fairfield recently. I have a nonprofit I'm trying to work with out there. I'm out in Fairfield. It was hysterical because I stopped and got out of the car. And the people in the gas station were like, Ma'am, I know where I am. I'm good. They were confused. You know, as I traveled from Fairfield to Bessemer to buy tires, back through Five Points West to pick up my computer. There's a great computer company out there, in case y'all didn't know. And every place I stopped, except the computer company, they know me. They're like, do you think she knows where she is or what she's doing? And I was like, okay. But I worked in the project, y'all. I talked to my old boss yesterday. He called me. And I worked. It's not us and them. And this is one thing I said. I said this to a blessed lady from Asbury United Methodist Church. I bet she's never forgotten this day. She called my office and she said, we would like to bring our teenagers to do a mission project in your ministry this summer. And I said, ma'am, we are nobody's project. And she went silent. I said, if you would like to come and bring your teenagers to do something with our teenagers to help somebody, bring it on. Changed everything. You know what? Those teenagers didn't need any of us to plan anything for them. They all remember it. They, we took them to the homeless shelter. All of them. The project teenagers, the over-the-mountain teenagers. So that, I just felt the need to share that with you guys. Who's, who's next? We're all in this together, y'all. Is your underscore from that. Okay, my name's Henry Morris. Uh, our passage was Zechariah 7, 
and uh, part of it said this, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against one another in your heart. So a couple of things that we thought about was, um, this is kind of the classic list, the, the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, and the poor. And all those people really um, are people who sometimes have had something happen to them. A widow has had her husband die. A fatherless person has had, her, has had their dad either leave or, or die. Um, a sojourner may be displaced for who knows what reasons. And um, anyway, it's just it's interesting. There, a lot of times people are not in these situations of their own fault, um, though sometimes we may think they are. Um, and then he, uh, he says that um, another thing we, we said was that God has really made his will clear. He, th- our passage was a passage of judgment. He says, look, I've been sending the prophets. You're not listening. You're refusing to pay attention to me. Um, said that they're refusing to pay attention and they made their hearts diamond hard. And that was kind of scary uh, to think about that our hearts can be hard when we refuse to pay attention to God's word. And we did, we did say this. We did say we're, we're probably not meditating on our beds to think about how to do evil to others, but our sin is probably more of inactivity, uh, of, of not listening to the, there are people out there who need help, and uh, we, can may, we can be a part of showing God's mercy and grace. And lastly, he says, he says, render true judgments. So we thought that, you know, that's God's corrective. He says, when you think of the poor and the widowless and the, father, uh, the widows and the fatherless in certain ways, that you are actually thinking incorrectly because you are, you've forgotten grace. Uh, our situation could be the same as other people's. And, you know, we could be sojourners, we could be impoverished, we could be... Um, it's, it's only by God's grace that we're not that way. But also we've forgotten somehow our judgment is off and we've forgotten that all men and women are made in God's image and extremely valuable to him. So that was some of our thoughts. That was really good, Henry. Thank you. Um, one of the things he mentioned I think it's super important to realize uh, because we tend to live in a personal responsibility culture, um, uh, and there is personal responsibility, but so often people who find themselves uh, impoverished are there because of situations far beyond their control. Um, and there is, to Anna's point, there's emotional poverty, there's spiritual poverty, there's all kinds of poverty. Um, and so often people are in those situations due to no fault of their own. Um, and one of the things that Emily said that I think is super important is if, if we sit in meetings like this and read texts like this and talk about them uh, and then don't do anything about it, then we become like these people who God says your hearts have become hard as diamonds. Um, we're all accountable now for all these things that we've been talking about tonight. Um, that's pretty significant. All right, last group. Okay. A bit of irony here that I'm talking about wisdom with all these wise people in my group, but except for Jeff. But I was appointed to this position. Um, 
First of all, I appreciate all the comments everyone's made. And um, <laughs> I love you, Anna. Appreciate your comments. But it's, we had, um, it's funny, Stephen Mintz pointed out, you know, in Psalms, it shows what, or tells what God is going to do in Proverbs, is how we as God's people, what we should do. And the question that we pose to each other is, why don't we do it? And I think that's been discussed this evening. Um, me personally, it's pulling the log out of my eye and admitting my own selfishness with my time, my, um, my efforts, my resources. And we have all these practical and obvious things that God wants us to do, and we simply don't do them. And, and Mark, I, agree with, I can't agree with you anymore. I mean, these are not suggestions. These are commands, and we make excuses. Um, so it was convicting. It's, you know, I'm, again, I think Jeff, I, I turned 60. I'm, I'm getting old, and I've had these things brought to my attention over and over and over, and they become more convicting as I get older, and especially when I don't do them. But our first, uh, we went Psalm 68, 4 through 6. I'm, I'm just going to hit some key points. Father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And that was another point and one, and someone brought up in our group. When we oppress the poor and the you know, the defenseless, you know, we're ignoring them and we're, we're essentially doing that to God. And that's, that's a conviction right there. Um, Psalm 146, 7 through 9, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. Again, we, what is our definition of prisoner? We typically assume there's a crime involved, but you know, people are in their own prisons due to being mental illness or um, some other circumstances in their life. And God is going to set them free, and hopefully he's going to do it through his people. Um, the Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Um, again, Proverbs what God's going to do through his people. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. And that was another comment made in our group that caring and providing for the poor, there's wisdom in that, and there's reward. And um, from a practical standpoint, it's kind of like giving a gift. It's the joy in giving as opposed to receiving. Um, Proverbs twenty-one thirteen: if a man shuts his eyes to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Again, very straightforward, obvious commands that we tend to overlook. And the last one, Proverbs fourteen thirty one: he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. And um, what more is there to say to that? Um, John, you want to take over? Thank you, Steve. Um, just one sort of parting thought. Um, thank you guys, everyone, for sharing. That was super powerful. Um, 
Yeah, just one, one closing thought. To go back to that Psalm 68 verse, which was our memory verse like a year ago. Um, it was Robbie's first memory verse. And you see in that, we, we praise God because of his character, and his character is to move towards those who are marginalized, vulnerable, needy uh, in all kinds of ways. That's who God is. Uh, and he's called us as his people by his spirit to be transformed and conformed more and more into that image, to be more and more like who God is. And one of the things I think that we'll find as we move towards that, um, you know, Robbie has a great little phrase about God's deep gladness. God is deeply glad. Um, God is a happy God. And as we become more like God, we'll become deeply glad too. Uh, And as we move towards those who are broken and suffering, uh, which is very hard sometimes, there's also a joy that comes with that because we're being transformed into God's image. Uh, so at the risk of being transactional, we do this and God will bless us. That's not a, quite how it works. But there is deep joy for us in becoming more like who God is and caring for those whom God cares for. Uh, so as encouragement to us all, um, like Anna said, we're all in this together. Uh, and when God's church cares about the world, everybody wins. It's a win-win-win. Um, so you guys will have some homework for next week as well. You'll be in your same groups. Uh, those are printed on your week two worksheet. If you didn't grab one of those, there's some up front. Um, And I'm going to pray for us quickly because we're many minutes overdue uh, and we'll be done. Dear Father, thank you for your character, uh, that you care uh, for the world that you made, you care for the people that you made, uh, despite our uh, rebellion um, and sinfulness. And we thank you that you've moved towards us in Christ. We thank you that we see your character clearly in Christ who moved towards those who were uh, needy, Uh, in every way. And I pray that as we fellowship with you, as we walk with you, as we open your word and meditate upon it, that you would transform us by your spirit to be more like our Lord Jesus. And that uh, this church and the communities around us and even the world would be blessed. And we pray in Jesus' name.